Welcome to the 11th Hour, a rancid podcast. I'm Sam Melancon of Debacle Records. And I'm Brad Rose of Foxy Digitalis. Each week we uh, trip off picking a rancid song and talk about it, uh, our lives, and our complicated feelings about rancid. Uh, <laughs> this week I picked a pretty iconic track off of the debut rancid album, uh, the 93 album, a self-titled album from rancid. So uh, that was Rats in the Hallway off of the debut self-titled album Rancid 93. Um, this is the first time we've hit Rancid 93, so a little bit of background on this one. This was released on May 10th in 1993. This is the debut of the of Rancid, though this is the trio of just Tim, Matt, and Brett before Lars was added. The songwriting credits for this one, and very obviously split between them, is Tim and Matt. Um, production was by Brett Gerwitz, which is... Um, going to be a trend for the band for going here and out um a whole kind of swath of people were guests throughout this album doing gang vocals because there was quite a lot of backing gang vocals on this album but i don't think there's anybody specific specifically amazing on this or or interesting um uh just just a little bit about the album itself like this was definitely a there's a lot of different stories about rancid rancid the first one uh, in that there's some apocrypha or reality I don't really know around how this came to be. So in, what, 87 to 89, um, Operation Ivy existed when Tim and, and Matt were in, and there was a huge kind of big deal band for the East Bay scene that um, imploded. And um, Tim, as far as I understand, didn't have it super great and ended up getting pretty heavily involved in some heavy drugs and alcohol. And this band was just kind of like his buddies, Brett and Matt coming together to give him something to do. And mm-hmm. um, it just turns out that those guys have a lot of good chemistry. And I think you can kind of tell that this is, you know, I, I kind of have a mental image of this being very Matt centric because he's the one driving the boat a little bit because he's still kind of corralling Tim back into this, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, he has a lot of songwriting. I remember reading a review uh, interview around this time, or, or that was conducted around this time, where Tim talked a lot about Brett, you know, doing some songwriting. Because again, I think they were kind of just going, "Come on, Tim, let's do this together." Right. Um, this album, there's a lot to it. You know, we don't have to go into all of it. One of the biggest things about it is that, you know, of course, it's missing Lars. There's some stories about how maybe Lars had even joined the band before they started recording these songs, but because he wasn't part of these songs they made a decision to kind of let them sit out of this i don't i don't know how real Hmm. that is do you know any like that's definitely a thing i've heard multiple times oh it was actually the first time i've heard that i always thought um it was at they record they made this record and realized they needed something else kind of yeah i i I, like i said like i wonder how much of this is apocrypha you know versus like remembering it maybe they were recording it and then he shows up and they're like dude dude, should you add some stuff rhythm guitar they say no and to them that's like you yeah. tell this nice story of like but um 
Yeah, it's the trio record, and it's the only one of them as a trio. Uh, it's it is a very different sounding Rancid, and and I, to me, it's very interesting. It seems like they're trying very hard to not sound like Op Ivy for the most part. Yeah, and it's very Matt driven, you know, because you you don't even have Lars in there, so you have this very like even more focused on the baseline as these melodic lines. And Tim is just doing this thing that he kind of does forever, but but the most here where he's really doing this kind of like garage rock, speed garage, almost some of this records, both recording and sound to me sounds like, well, you know, thrash was really big in the Bay area around this time. Mm-hmm. Kind of, it's kind of has a little bit of garage rock metal, like dwarves or Zeke or something in there too. You know, like some of that more slip, like sludgy kind of garage rock but played really really fast right yeah i would that i used to always think that like dwarf like really fast dwarves yeah <laughs> exactly. always, like, which would yeah, be a great I, band name actually if really fast <laughs> <dwarves>. <laughs> anyway that, that's a D module right. uh, but, like it, it does have a very different feeling and and one of the things i was i was listening to the album a lot this week because i was like okay we're going dipping back into right. this album and we can talk about it more when we hit some of those other songs, but like, I think this one gets no um, favors from the production because it's such a flat Agreed. production. Yeah. And really, these songs are quite different from each other and have a lot of smart stuff in them. It's got, I think, there's the most like weird hardcore and post punk, you know, sort of mo- like little moments pop in and out because they're still trying to figure out who they are, and so there's, right. you can feel little influences popping up even in this track. You know, there's these very strange little passages and stuff. And I think when I listened back to it in my head, like when I just go, oh, Rancid 93, what does that sound like? I just hear like, wheedle, 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 wheedle. Like, right. like these really like quick guitar lines and just kind of muddy production and and everybody's talking way faster than they should. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. Uh, <laughs> and really, I don't think that's what this record is. Um, but the funniest thing is, that is kind of what the song is like that like this one being sort of one of the iconic couple songs from this album it, this one is just very thrashy very fast and uh just kind of attacks you yeah it, you know it, it was funny listening to like this song in particular the album less so as a whole but like this I, like i was thinking about this album and then i was thinking about rancid 2000 because obviously they're both self-titled mm-hmm. and like this song reminds me of it in a way in the sense that it's like it's these two ideas like over and over again it's like yeah 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 uh, but what rancid so it's this is like the shiny and new one whereas rancid 2000 it's like okay well we took rancid self-titled and like put it in the junkyard and let it rust out and throw like fall apart and then that became rancid 2000 but this yeah the production is the thing that really stood out to me how bad it is <laughs> because it's really bad there's all these there's a lot of really great hooks that remind me of let's go like the mm-hmm. um and and so i was thinking about like what it, imagine if this album had let's go's production values like it or, would, or it, out can the wolves even you yeah know what i mean like, it would be it would be viewed so differently i think because I, I i think i'm a, i I never loved this album, but listening back to it, I liked it a whole lot more than I expected. Like, I didn't, not that I didn't 100%. like it, but I, and I sat and I, you know, uh, it seems like it's kind of been a trend in a lot of music these days where people 
redo their classic albums or something, re-record them or something. And I don't know that it would be a great idea, like Rancid 2022 doing it, but <laughs> um, but I would love to hear this album like remixed or re like. Yeah, I wonder if it could just be remixed, remastered, and that would bring something to it because it is really strange. It's an album that I think I think the way I would sum it up, and I have a question as a follow up, but like is uh i always would like kind of stick it in this corner and be like i don't know that's not my favorite one and then right. every time i listen to it I, I always over and over would go oh i like this a lot more than i remember right. yeah like yeah i did that now and i remember doing that as a teenager too you know what i mean and i remember doing that it was like this is a weird very specific memory but it was 20 it was like late 2013 or 2014 somewhere around there so my daughter wasn't even one yet i had, like foxy digitalis at that point had, i had stopped doing it and i had um i i would one day a week i would come over to it's actually the house i live in now which at the time was my grandma's house and my parents, their office was here. So like they would, I, me and my daughter would come over here and they would kind of w help watch her so I could get, it was mostly writing emails those days, like trying to do the label back then. But I have this really intense memory of sitting in this house at the kitchen table, listening to this album on repeat all day, one day, just writing emails and thinking, man, this is, I, I even, I even, I even distinctly remember thinking, ha having the thought of like, is this actually the best Rancid album? This is really, and I don't think it is, but I just, I, I, I echo. It's the same thing. I, every time I go back to it, I'm like, wow, this is a lie. I like this a lot more than I think it is. And then I don't, but then I don't listen to it. <laughs> yeah. It's very weird. Like it's, it's like pulling teeth to, if I'm going to choose to listen to Rancid album, it's not going to be this one. But when I put it on, I'm like, this is, you know, <laughs> definitely not bottom tier Rancid in any way, shape, or no. form. And I don't know what that means. And it's, I don't know. Is that, I don't know. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, it's a very strange thing. I think it's uh, the patterning of those first three or four records. You know, you kind of, imp if you came to those as teenagers, I think you imprint on like which ones are the ones you listen to and don't. And like, I think a more adult brain, you kind of, you might have been treated it differently if you had come to yeah. it later. But um, I mean, talking about it, it's 1993. So, talking about where i was i was a 10 year old so like oh, yeah. this didn't even like exist on my radar but what for your journey in punk like was there any sort of like oh rancid this new band when this came out or had this already existed no kind of getting into it i so that's funny i was gonna ask you <laughs> we we're gonna ask each other basically the same question um i don't remember when i first heard let's go was the first rancid album i heard and the we but i it so I would have been May of 93. I would have just been about to turn 14. Um, so what what grade was that? It would have been like freshman year. I mean, at that Eighth point. Eighth grade, ninth grade, somewhere. Yeah, in so I mean, at, at that point, I had been. Um, so I, I think we talked about this, quote unquote, off air last time. But when I, I so Nirvana Nevermind came out in, when I was in sixth grade. Mm -hmm. and it's super cliche and all this but it like it literally kind of changed my life because at that point up to then i'd been listening to like guns and roses and skid row and mm -hmm. um all that kind of stuff and so nevermind came out i 
like blew my mind. I started watching 120 minutes on MTV and there was um, a record store in town that my dad would take me to every Friday and I would buy one CD and I remember I would write down stuff I saw in 120 minutes. And so like, that's how I ended up getting, I got like a Sonic Youth CD and I got like a Screaming Tree CD. And, but then somewhere around there in sixth or seventh grade, there was some like unauthorized Nirvana biography and I was like, ooh, cool, I'm going to read about Nirvana. But in that book, it talked about, like, all of this, you know, stuff that was, like, formative for Kurt. And it talked about, like, Toby Vale, and that led me to Kill Rock Stars. And it talked about Flipper, and it talked about the Melvins. And it just, and so that opened up, like, this whole world to me of, and, you know, when I talked about how Kill Rock Stars was probably a lot more f- formative for me than hellcat or epitaph it was because of that book and totally um so all that is saying like i was getting into punk and stuff at the time i feel like when i was 15 or something my parents drove me up to st louis to see bikini kill play with babes in toyland like dropped me off at washington university and i went and hung out with these like two girls that i'd known on america online who lived Mm -hmm. there and we saw and it was I mean, unbelievable, but so, I mean, I, but I didn't get into Rancid until let's go. And it was, and it, let's go had been out, I think for months when I finally picked it up and was like, all right, I'll check it out. So I don't think I actually heard this record until years later. Okay. Yeah. Um, probably after like outcome the wolves even, which is weird. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm the same way just because of timing. Yeah. I remember I remember always being impressed and this might be wrong. I'm gonna have to talk to her finally, but you know, I, I <laughs> Rancid's obviously like uh tied up a little bit in this like teenage kind of infatuation with this young woman who was a little older than me, who kind of taught me about Rancid and you know, all these things. And I remember her saying like she had actually gotten into Rancid on the first record, which I was so impressed by. I remember being that being like wow, you're the real deal. You know what I mean? And like a lot of her favorite songs were from this record. And I feel like this isn't an easy record. This isn't like a young teenager record in a lot of ways, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and, and uh, I don't know. There's something about that. Like there's sort of, I still, even in my, you know, current life where this sort of stuff makes me laugh, I still, in my back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, that's real cred. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Right. It's so dumb, but like, yeah, yeah, like like it was always like, okay, that's that secret record that's like kind of not really rancid, but it is, and and yeah, I think I would have felt just completely different about it if this if the if the production was different. Um, it's just it's so, and even when it is different, it's so eighties in this way that like mm-hmm. even early Fugazi records were hard to, for me to get into at first because they just rang so eighties yeah. in a way that like. I don't even hear anymore when I listen to those records, but I remember at the time hearing it and being like, wow, this feels dated yeah. you know, in a way. And I think this record has a little bit about like some of the guitar forms and stuff, mm-hmm. you know? That's um, true. That's true. Which is interesting that, yeah, I mean, cause let's go is a, it was a year later and I don't think it really sounds dated at all. <laughs> like, yeah, it's true. It definitely starts to feel farther away from that. I mean, you really wonder about the alchemy of, of Lars, right? right? You know, like, yeah, if Lars going like all this UK music and all the stuff he's into and all this oi, like he's starting to push him back into more, 
you know, op IV directions and, and away from some of this, like, again, there's a lot of metal in this. There's a lot of motorhead in this. And I think that's Matt. Like that, that's where mm-hmm. I think where Matt lives is who and motorhead and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you get a balancing act. You see, you finally get that balancing of, of all three of them writing songs. And I think, um, I th- it's so interesting. You so rarely have a, I hadn't thought about this, but you so rarely have a, an album or a, a band with a body of work where you kind of can remove one of the core songwriters and see what it would be like without yeah. them. And yeah. It feels like very clean. Like, okay. And then you add Lars and it starts to feel like nihilism and salvation and all these things that this first record couldn't have done. I don't think, you know? Right. Um, yeah. You know. That is interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so to talking about the song, it's, right. I think there's some really cool, I mean, I love talking about this stuff, but, uh, it does have some really interesting quirks about it. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. a, it's a very fast little song. They they pack in so much storytelling into a two, oh and, yeah. two and a half minute song, less than two and a half minutes. The funniest thing to me is that it starts with basically a guitar, like mm-hmm. a version of a guitar solo. It's kind of a riff, right? And then a, a, it has a little like bass lick to come into the song. It's a very funny like sequential piece of songwriting where it's like guitar lead, sort of solo a little bass lick and then you get into this like stop start the knock knock come in if you want to fight i'm gonna win right such a hilariously awesome uh little chant at the beginning right um yeah the way that it's like kind of muffled into the like the you know the production on this album is not great but the the vocal production on this song is so weird in a good way cool ideas on this record but like the overall mixing or mastering or something just went and just put this like gray haze over everything because yeah like they have the all this this beginning vocal thing is has this like pseudo um megaphone mm-hmm. thing though i think it's the same sample every time it turns on so it doesn't really make a lot of sense <laughs> right. uh it's like this at the beginning and then and then it you know it does a really good dynamic shift into the main i live in a land of welfare Ooh, state right. that goes into a cleaner vocal though again they're singing so fast that if you didn't have the lyrics, it would you would no. never understand some of these no. songs, these lines. Like they, I still look at them and I'm like, that that can't be right. And then, um, and and it has this chorus that's junky, drunken bum, yeah, 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 rats in the hallway again, which should be the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> but it's but great. It, and it's very Matt, you know, like this is kind of on our like you know good Matt end of the scale. I feel like um, absolutely, yeah. I I surprisingly I love matt's performance on this song it kind of, I, th- <laughs> I, I think part of it though is because again they do like the weird it's not as much well it's kind of the, the megaphone thing but his vocals are kind of obscured right there is and a so, distortion there for sure and i think that kind of like softens the part of his voice that grates it's on right yeah. yeah and it but it really but yeah the and he's singing really hard like his, it's a right. really good hook the junkie drunk and bump yeah. like that thing is like yeah. really gets in your head uh-huh. and it really ends nice with the rats in the hallway again like it really comes in really hard get up get out go ahead and run away sit up open up your bed today kick all river and plays a part we were up there's a bed and start about a line on that like street he don't keep this cook up before i am but what's crazy, so you got this nice little story that's nice little story, Jesus, not nice at all. Right, yeah, it's, it's a terrible about, story, yeah. It's a terrible series of stories just about, I think it was actually, I saw something that said it was Brett's 
um, place, not met, not Tim's place, but it's just about like when you live in, you know, basically poor house sort of world, yeah. you know, uh, it just sucks. And it's like, they're just talking about how shitty everything is and, and, and rats in the hallway and roaches and all right. these things. And, and like, don't like, we're not fucking around. We actually kind of hit rock bottom and we live in this shitty place and all these things and kind of telling the story of this street or the stoop. Right. And then, um, and so, you know, it's kind of going along, telling it in a very rancidy way with the little back and forth chorus. And then there's this guitar solo and then a bridge that Matt sings with the zombie walking kid yeah. out of his own. And he's playing the a totally angular, wild thing for Rancid. Oh, yeah. That's... And it's like speeding up in a way that like kind of like where they're just doing that bass drum hit. And it's very weird. Like what? Like. Did you remember how weird that was when you no, into this song? No, not at all. And then, I mean, and then you add on top of it, his his vocals are weird. Like the whole, well, A, he's singing faster than I feel like Matt normally does. I feel like it's sped up. Like I, I well, can't yeah. believe he can do it. You know well, what I mean? Well, that's probably fair. Yeah. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and there's some, you know, there's some kind of effect on him. Either just, you know, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. I mean, I think when you said at the beginning, there's this like even sort of post-punk elements to yeah i think of this whole ending as being very yeah that it's so weird but it's but it's really good too like it's really great and again like it reminds me too though of some of the weird stuff they did on rancid 2000 like on let me go when you get into these weird breakdowns and there's like all this weird it's a like different version of that obviously but but it does seem more permissive like i yeah. don't know if they were like arguing over doing this it just felt like yeah that'd be cool you know right and, it kind of makes sense that the guy from Bad Religion, it does feel like a Bad Religion move to like suddenly throw an effect on the vocals, which yeah. is like Bad Religion all over the place, and then have a weird breakdown. But so like he does that, and then we start talking about this story of like basically Johnny. a kid, Johnny, you know, and uh, well, it's Johnny also the kid that gets shot for being cold on the stoop, or is it I Johnny think so. and then the kid? Uh, I don't know. 12 years old? No, I think it was Johnny and he's a junkie. And then there's and then the there's kid. A, and then there's the kid who was cold and like uh, homeless and tried to sit on a stoop in the cold and then gets shot up because he's in the, and the landlord's like, well, he shouldn't have been on a, you know, cocaine, cocaine stoop. stoop. And it's like, and it's, you know, you really, the, he had it coming, he had it coming. Like it was such a right. good, like, oh, man. you know, when people uh, argue with themselves, you know what I mean? Like they, yeah. they re talk out an argument. Which we talked about with the bus driver thing. Uh, right. It's basically the same thing of like him kind of like, he's still so, Tim is still so mad. He's at still the, pissed at the landlord. At the landlord for being so, right. you know, like, ah, he had, this kid had to come. And just his like anger me? of like, are you kidding me? And it's it's still there. And it's like, I love that little bit of like honest songwriting that, oh, I, that think I don't think that's get Tim. from a lot of other people. I mean, that's, yeah, t- exactly. that's like, t- I mean, when he's, at his best he has his heart on his sleeve right and this is and this is that he is still so mad about it and uh, and i and i love the line i mean that line of 
he was in the blizzard and got shot for being cold. I'm like, God, yeah. that, that is a really good line. Like, <laughs> and so, and what's really crazy, what we haven't even talked about is underneath that, they're doing like this weird, like, like right. more <laughs> guitar that I don't think I'll ever hear them do. There's like, like really spindly, slidey, high pitched. Yeah. Uh, angular thing. Like where was already the angular thing with the bridge that Matt was doing. But this thing is like shambolic and like falling all over itself and like kind of one of the more progressive things. I, I picked the song without remembering how crazy the end of the song was. Right. I didn't remember like a lot of the weird stuff about the song. I didn't remember at all really when you picked it. And I again, was just... I think this is this this production kind of squashing all this yeah. and making it all slide together. And they're very fast songs. I mean, these moments that we're right. talking about go by in less than 20 seconds and things like that. But I was so happy with that like really looking back at that and i you know there's parts that like yeah it reminds me of like fugazi or um sonic youth or all these like weirdo if you took that part and extrapolated it to a band it'd be like a weird no wave band or something you know what i yeah. mean like and, and so yeah i don't know go ahead well and then i mean i i'll i have a note on here like in my that i put down about you know, this part where the vocal part is it's a thing Tim does where he's kind of rapping, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's normally the kind of thing I hate, but for some reason he can pull it off. I mean, and this is a t- and this has been like a Tim thread from I mean from Bad Town right mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. Yep. Let Me Go and um and and it seems like he's constantly getting better at it because I think Let Me Go is kind of the peak when he's on that yeah. you know that bridge, yeah. but this is. I don't know. It's it's such a it's such a weird trick to have up his sleeve. And yeah, it's it's really true. And it, it to me, this is that thing that I think he could do a lot more of. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder what his confidence level is again. Because I think why couldn't transplants be just that? And then you with some guests. Why? I, you yeah. Gotta, you understand that? Like, I'm right. so mad still. I know. Like, and yeah. Rob exists. Right. Which is totally weird and insane. But, but see, like, I, I wonder the opposite though. Like, if that it works so well because he doesn't pull it out all the time. Like, if he was yeah, doing it more, it might get be like, oh fuck, Tim's rapping again. White like, boy rapping. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's not. And it's not like just like rapping. Rap, like, no, it's know, just kind of like chanting, spitting on the rap, beat, yeah. very like really. Cool. And I mean that very much, like like percussive on the beat singing. Yeah, yeah. With his kind of slurred vocals, it it comes out as kind of like early rapping in the same way that like I don't know, Blondie rapping. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like it, it has more of that like just mishmash of styles from like yeah. the late seventies, early eighties, you know, style that would come out. But like, yeah, I don't know. Like it's a little song. It is full of little hooks that you don't remember, and I think it's a real standard bearer for that thing of man if they had had better production i would love to see what this album has sounded like because there's so many good ideas and i think this is going to be just kind of flipping through that album again mm-hmm. i think this is going to be a hidden treasure trove for us i kind like, of i had the same thought i was like there was a, a number of songs as i was listening to it going like oh i can't wait to talk about this one 100 i mean i was looking at songs with completely new eyes and being like i don't remember this song being yeah. so upbeat or because in my mind because this is the song this is the album with this like really shitty drawing of a gun on the cover (laughs) right right. oh and like smokestacks and everything all the topics are super rough you know what i mean like and they were in a rough time in their lives you know so like i always think of this as like the really dark the truly dark sludgy album 
But that's not completely true yeah. to every song, Elmer. You know, and um, I don't know. It'll be a lot of fun when we pick more of these. Well, and I think too, like there, throughout the album, you can hear like the spark, like the beginning of a lot of threads that 100%. you hear for the next twenty years. Yep, um, very much. And so, and it's kind of in, in that way. It's it's even more interesting, but. Yeah. Yes. Totally. This this one surprised me a lot. I when you first picked it, I was like, oh, geez. <laughs> but then, I, yeah, then I got into. It, I was like, man, this actually kicks ass. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a real testament to their like. There's a core songwriting thing that they have that I don't think. Yeah, and the I, scene has. You know. And you know, I mean, I I have a lot of love for Lars, but it, I think this album. I mean, and, and Matt does a little, but it really. I, I think Tim has got so much more songwriting talent than a lot of people realize. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. And, and you can like hear it from the beginning. I mean, you can hear it. I mean, you hear it in Op Ivy, but like you hear it's just it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, exactly. And his sort of style was was there from, from the day. Yeah, before. yeah. All right. So, what do you have for us next week? All right. So we're going into episode nine, and I kind of had this realization, like, oh my god, we've not talked about this sort of certain aspect of rancid that was very i remember contentious at the time maybe but we're going to talk about rancid and their had delving into ska and we're going to talk about old friend oh yes i'm so happy this was on my list of we have to hit it very soon i'm oh i'm totally stoked about this one yeah great pick awesome all right well everybody Thanks for listening. As always, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at RancidPod. And listen to us on whatever podcast app you like. All right. Um, Yeah. All right. We'll see you next week. Take it easy, Sam. Later, man.